That says a lot. As a father, I can tell you I struggle. My wife and I struggle. And I believe that as we look around here, we have many families who struggle. And many of you children, maybe you are pulling your hair out. How come my parents don't understand me? You are struggling. There are no perfect parents. That's a myth. And there are no perfect children. That is also a myth. We are all trying to be better parents and hopefully better children. Maybe that's why there is such a huge market. You go to any bookstore, you will have the self-help books and you will have the section on parenting. You will never finish reading all those books. They will tell you how to be good parents. Every year there are new books on the market because nobody has a corner on this truth. How can I be a better parent? And I pray that this morning, as we look at this passage, that we would be encouraging one another, be better. Yes, you fail there. Let me encourage you. When I fail, please encourage me. The other thing is also that parenting is hard. Why? Because it's expensive. Uh, oh, this just came out last, I think, two years ago. The myth of the perfect mother. There are no perfect mothers, okay? Uh, it's crazy to be a perfect mother. Uh, this just came out, I believe, last year. The USDA basically said that parenting is a very expensive business. To raise a baby to the age of 18 years old, you know how much it's going to cost somebody in the US? Guess. $226,000. Now that of course includes college education, lodging and food and everything. I'm telling you that that is not too far-fetched. I have a friend whose son just visited us last night. The father flew the son to China, went with the son to China. You know why? His dream is that the son will be a soccer star. So actually flew him to a soccer camp in China. Do you know it was a very costly trip? But the son didn't want to be a soccer star. <laughs> so you can imagine, 260, that, that, that's true in many cases. It's expensive to be a parent, to raise a child. And because of that, let's do a better job, right? It's expensive, let's do a better job. Anyway, we are paying for it, right? And so, kids, I hope you would pray with your parents. It's, it's expensive raising you, uh, each one of us. So let's help them to do a better job. Parenting is also a tough, a tough job because children learn at different pace. We are all different. Our two girls are completely different. They learn at different paces. They learn at different times. It's so hard to catch that teachable moment. And when we miss that teachable moment, we miss it. And so, it's hard being a parent. The parallel passage that we have in Colossians, you realize that Colossians has a lot of similarities with the book of Ephesians? And here it says, fathers, same word as in our passage, which means parents, do not embitter your children. And it gives the re reason why. Because they will be discouraged. See, when we 
talk down. When we discount our kids, they become discouraged. Have you seen kids who are discouraged? They come back with a report card and they don't really want to show the parents. Have you heard discouraging remarks from your parents? What are some of the ways parents embitter and provoke? I want, to, I want us to avoid those. And some of us are experts at those. We are experts at embittering our children. We, we, we make them really look bad. And what are some of them? I just want to mention a couple because of time. Favoritism. Favoritism is a big thing. According to a very recent Time Magazine article, October 2011, by a writer called Jeffrey Kruger, this is what he said. Mom and dad will say it earnestly. They will repeat it endlessly. And in an overwhelming uh, share of cases, they will be lying through their teeth. What is it? We have no favorites. They're all the same, but they are lying. Okay? It's one of the worst kept secrets of family life that all parents have preferred son or daughter. And the rules for acknowledging it are the same everywhere. The favored kid recognize their status and keep quiet about it. The better to preserve the good thing they, will, they, they have got going to keep their siblings off their backs. The unfavored kid, how about it? Like wounded cats. And on pain of death, the parents deny it all. I tell you this, my wife, Jean, is her mom's favorite. She tells me, I'm my mom's favorite. And she has only one other sister. My sister is my dad's favorite. And they have three other kids in the house, three boys, poor boys. Nobody's favorite, all right? Favoritism, and I can sense it. The way they interact in the family. Favoritism is bad because it causes kids to, why isn't my mom loving me? Isn't my brother is better or my sister is better? See, this is a human tendency. It's a very human tendency to favor some people. It's so natural. We gravitate to people who talk the same way, who would listen to us, and favoritism is there in the office. It's in the home. And so bringing this up, I hope you would think about it. If you are ever caught, say sorry, apologize, and do better. Favoritism is in the Bible. We see so many examples of it. Jacob. Wow, Jacob made a special coat. He has 12 kids, but he made it for only one kid. What, what do you think the other 11 kids felt? And you know where Jacob learned it from? Probably from his father, Isaac. Why? Because Isaac favored the older brother, Esau. And the mother favored Jacob, who is the, the sweet one, who is always at home, helping the mom to cook or whatever. All right? Favoritism. Good parenting is a balancing act. How do we balance it? so that we will not show favoritism to one kid over another. It's a hard balance. 
What is the right amount of discipline? What's the right amount of love to give out? I read an account of a, a family that adopted a girl, maybe from China, he didn't say. And her name is Missy. And everybody, the parents, the grandparents, just love this kid. And will, will say, Missy is so good here, Missy is so good there. Until one day the son, her own son came up to the mother and said, Mom, that's so unfair. And you know what the mom said? Because she's adopted. She comes from such a bad background. We have to shower love on her more than you guys. You are ours. She's from outside. And you know how the, how the son felt? The son felt really rotten and unloved. Parents, are you guilty of favoritism? Now, maybe you are blind. Go back and ask your children. They would be the best judge. All right? Ask them, do you have a favorite? Who is the favorite dad? Okay? So avoid favoritism. Parents are guilty of that. And one thing is that it has been observed. The youngest child in a family usually is the favorite. Especially if the youngest child is younger than all the other siblings by a dozen years. Parents dole on the younger kids. That's true of Jacob. Love Joseph and Benjamin like crazy. So, friends, I know some of you have older kids and some of you are going to have a second batch. And they are much younger. Be careful. Favoritism. Okay? Excessive discipline is another no-no. Have you heard of the recent case? A Texas judge is on YouTube. The daughter posted it when she's 20-something. The dad, I didn't watch the video, okay, basically abused her or spanked her. It was, a, it was very bad. I was told with a belt, and she secretly taped it. And then she posted it, and it became viral. And so that is that the whole thing on the Internet and probably the judge will be in trouble for child abuse. Is that excessive? Uh, I don't know. I you have to make the judgment for yourself. Is it all right for parents to use corporal punishment? Now, that is a debate. But what is excessive discipline? That's a tough one. Because for some kids, Something is not excessive, but for another kid, it may be excessive, depending on the personality. If you do this, you will not get to do this. Is that discipline? If you do this, I tell you not to do it. If you do this, there will be consequences. We, we say that. I hope, you have, I hope you have home rules, discipline, that you lay it out for your children. If we can't punish our kids without telling them giving them the ground rules. That's the first ground rules. We tell them, this is a no-no, don't do it. And if they do it, this is the punishment. We explain it to them. Now, is that excessive punishment? If let's say you have explained it, and then they do it. There is a place, I believe, I believe in corporal punishment. I believe in spanking. I do. 
Look at this. Do you think that that, child, that mom has ever spanked that little girl there? She's called Tiger Mom. She's from China. And I heard that other dad, there was a Tiger Dad. Yes. Uh, do, do you think uh, corporal punishment is bad? It's in the Bible. Look at it. Proverbs 22, 6, 15. Train a child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Let me quickly explain that verse. I believe what it meant to say is that train a child in the way the child should go. We are all different. The parents ought to find out what makes my child tick. This is my child's character. I train him according to his character. That's how I interpret this verse. And when we have done that, he's on the way to make decisions, make him flourish. Verse 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. A rod of discipline. What is that? The Chinese rod of discipline. Okay, I'm sure many of you have never seen it. You grew up in America. But I can tell you one thing. This is very common in China and in Taiwan and in Southeast Asia. This is a rod of discipline. And I can tell you one thing. For some children, the moment their parents hold that up, everything is peace and quiet. Okay? Why? Because we are all natural born sinners from birth. We need to be corrected. And you, you might think it's excessive, but you know there are consequences to bad behavior. There are consequences when we lie, we cheat, we steal. We have to stop it right in the bud, right when they were young. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, it says, bring them up. In fact, that was used earlier in chapter 5. It's translated, he feeds and cares. He nourishes the church. He nourishes the bride. And here, as a father and a mother, we nourish our children. We bring them up and we instruct them in this book. We, we, we are... are our duty is to instruct based on this, not based on how we feel. And I think often the line is blurred. Parents put their foot down on something that the Bible is silent. And this is my will. Hold the line. And I think that is wrong. How should parents nurture, feed, and care for their children? How do we do that? It says training and instruction. Those are the two words used. The training, the word means discipline. Directing them, correcting them. Instruction is giving them warning. If you do this, this is the consequences. We have to teach them to make wise decisions. How do we make wise decisions? By making bad decisions. I think that's the hardest thing parents uh, have to deal with. You know, have you seen parents who are always going after their kids? They won't let them make any decisions. Why? The reason is, oh, you'll make a bad decision. But when, when, when will the kids have the freedom to make their own decisions? They will make bad decisions. That's the whole thing about being an adult. 
Adults make wrong decisions. It's part of the growing up process. And when you have made a wrong decision, you look back and say, I will never do that again. There are consequences. We have to teach them to make wise decisions. One day they'll be adults and they'll stand up for themselves. I think we should never be overprotective. And I think in the Chinese culture especially, we are often overprotective. We are afraid to let our kids leave the nest. We always have a string attached to our kids to pull them back. And I think by that we smother them, we cause them not to be creative. They are their own person with their own dream. We should let them go. This is a time to release them. As we train them, there will come a time when we will have to let them go. As parents, our task is to prepare them to engage the world. Uh, we will not always be around to rescue them or give advice. We mentor them now with the goal that they will know what they should do, even when we are not around to tell them. A good parent trains his children to make, to make wise decisions. A good parent will admit that he is not perfect, right? Mistakes will be made. A parent will tell the child, give a wrong advice, and sometimes it's proven it's a wrong advice. Parents should say, wow, I goofed. I'm wrong. And say sorry. I don't know how many times I've said sorry to my two girls. And I think parents ought to learn to say, I am sorry. I know I have friends. The word, I am sorry, is like it's not in their vocabulary. They find it so hard to say it. It's okay to discipline. It's okay to be mean to our children. Let me qualify. Why? Because children will always say, Dad and Mom, you're so mean because of the consequences. In fact, uh, one girl told her mom after she was caught lying, uh, the daughter said to the mom, I'm 100% sure you are not my real mom. You are so mean. Okay? But the mom already spelled out the consequences. Parenting is tough. It is not an easy role. That's why many have chosen not to have children. Do you realize that? I actually met people who don't want to have children because they, can, they think they can handle it. That's why many people don't want to be dead. It's as good as mom up there. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. After training and nurturing a child and releasing them, we, we, we cut the apron strings. Uh, they, they become adults, and, and they do what needs to be done. They, they become productive citizens. We have to release them, train them. So there's a parent checklist. And I'm going to read a number of things. Parents, I hope you would. These are some of the things that parents struggle with. Now, I think some of our kids might, might laugh at this, and parents may laugh at this. But I assure you, this checklist, sooner or later, you will face. And it's hard both ways. It's hard for the parent to make a decision one way or another. 
and it's hard for the children because they want it sometimes. The tough decisions that parents have to make or to, uh, decisions that they have to make to guide their children, like who do they date? Do they date whoever they want? Must they seek the parents' permission? Uh, dye their hair a natural color? Or dye their hair an unnatural color? Let's say purple, green, and blue. Uh, get a single small tattoo. Get as many tattoos as you want. What about date somebody who has tattoos all over the body? I actually know a pastor, the daughter actually dated somebody like that. What do you say? Uh, get as many tattoos as you want. Get ears pierced. Uh, get eyebrow pierced. Get tongue pierced. Have no curfew on, sun, uh, on school nights. Have no curfew on weekdays. Have no curfew on weekends. Have unsupervised internet access. Listen to any music you like. Don't have to ask for permission. Skip school whenever you like. In fact, I just watched a documentary. Uh, a youth pastor actually took the kid out of school to play video games with him without parents' permission. Is that right? Uh, smoke cigarettes. Uh, take unsupervised overnight trip with friends of the opposite sex. Or take unsupervised overnight trip with friends of the same sex. Take illegal drugs. Wear whatever clothing you want. Uh, use bad language. Uh, voice disagreements with, uh, with your parents respectfully or voice disagreement with them by yelling and calling names. And this is just a short list. These are the things that parents struggle with. Where do we draw the line? How do we help our kids to become the productive citizen he ought to be? Let me say that this is why parenting is so difficult. Where to seek balance? Favoritism? Overindulging them? Lack of discipline? Don't direct them. Anything will do. Non-directive means don't give instructions. They can do whatever they like. Or on the other hand, you have excessive discipline. You suppress their creativity. Uh, we are harsh. We, are, we humiliate them in front of their friends. We domineer all the decisions they make. We direct them. This is the only... I actually have heard parents who told their kids, you can only marry a Chinese. Would you like to be that daughter or son? Uh, ridicule your child. These are all hard. Now let's talk about the positive. Give your best to your children, not your leftovers. Uh, if you forget everything that I've said as parents, I think this is the best advice I can give you. Because if we give our best for our children and not our leftovers, they will know it and it will help in the relationship. And if they know that you have the best interest at heart, they will probably listen to you. And how do they know? Do you spend enough time with them? Do you? Don't give them their leftovers. We have to be very careful here, why? Because we are in an economy where we are forced to work long hours. Uh, you have to show your boss that you're productive. And so what happens? You spend all your time and energy there, and when you come home, you have nothing left. 
You can't give the best to your children. You give the best to your company. You give the best to your friends, your relatives. But when you come home, you have nothing left to give them. That's why sometimes your family will say, please treat us as your friends. Have you, had, have you heard that expression? And I think if we treat friends like the way we treat normal, a lot of dysfunctional family, if you treat your friends the way you treat your family members, you would lose all your friends. Because you don't care for them. You don't call. You don't spend time with them. Give your best. Here's a dad reading. Taking time. He's reading. Uh, dad, do you read? Do you read to your children? Do you take time and say, what is your favorite book? Can we spend an hour reading? Can we go to the library? Let's drive to the library and spend a day there. And then in the middle, have a picnic. And go back to the library. And you know, America is a great place. Why? I don't know about Cary, but in Dallas, there's no limit. I was so shocked. You can borrow as many books as you want. Uh, we actually spend many, many Saturdays, whole day. And then we will come home with boxes of books. Boxes. And they will let us check them out. And we will read them. Read them. Uh, play. Spend time. Spend time with your kids. Teach them something. Fly a kite with them or something. Rather than ask Uncle so-and-so, he's free, let him fly the kite with you. Or go with Uncle Tom, he'll teach you how to fish. You teach him how to fish, even if you don't know how to fish. Spend time. Our children will mimic us. And the kind of parents we are, they will become, they will just pick it up. And I know many of us don't have Christian parents. Um, well, I guess in this congregation, our young, the younger ones, your parents are supposedly Christian. So you can look at them. But you know, most of the parents here don't have Christian parents. I don't have Christian parents. I, I just mimic what they do. My dad is a silent kind. You, we come home, you say, Dad. He say, mm. That's all he says. I have never had my dad come up to me and hug me and say, I love you. It's like a death word. Okay. So what happens is that we mimic. Our children will mimic us. What kind of children do we want to have? You want loving kids? We have to love them. We want them to be honest? We have to be honest. Uh, we, we make a mistake, we say, I'm sorry. They, they pick it all up from us. I just want to read to you as, as I close. We are all under construction. Fathers are under construction. Mothers are under construction. We haven't arrived. And children are the same. And I know we have many complaints. My dad is so bad here. He's under construction. I hope you would find an appropriate moment and tell your dad, dad, could you improve? Or mom, please improve. Or your dad comes to you and says, please improve. I hope you won't get angry with them. I'm going to end with reading you a, a letter from a dad. And I think this letter describes the feeling of a typical father. His son is called Chris, and I know I know at least one Chris back there. And so if he will take it to heart, okay? This Chris is 10 years old, and it says this, Dear Diary, my child is 10 years old today, 10 going on 30. I'm concerned about Chris and what this next few years will hold. I do have a strong and 
I do have a strong and independent child. I only hope that my decisions as a parent are wise. I have heard so many rumors about the middle school Chris will attend next year. I was told that a sixth grade girl attending that school last year was pregnant. Sixth grade, it boggles my mind. I have also heard that some students in that same school were using drugs. I know I can't make decisions for Chris. I just pray that I'm able to set reasonable boundaries for my child and let Chris know that. I understand what life is like for a child these days. Chris' temper problem continues to be a concern. Chris isn't a bad kid, and some of the symptoms of the problem seem small. An emotional outburst here, a hint of aggressive behavior toward a friend, but I see potential for problems. I need wisdom. And this dad is crying out to God. Lord, I need wisdom in dis disciplining when necessary without being overly harsh. What a tall order. I want Chris to have a bright future, but I know that bad decisions made in middle school and high school can haunt a child for years to come. How many, how many math uh, courses should Chris take? What about sports or music or school clubs? Most importantly, how can I help Chris stay active and interested in church activities? P.S. Chris, I plan to tear this page out of this diary and present it to you at your high school graduation eight years from now. Could you write back and tell me how I've done? Wow. And I think for some of us, you know, this is what we can do. Uh, first grader to sixth grader. Maybe you can write a note. Dear dad, dear mom, this is your report card. And I will challenge our youth. Write that. Write it respectfully, lovingly. And if you do that, I believe your parents will listen. And uh, I would give permission to the parents. Write a report card to your kids. It's a two-way thing. I believe this is how we built a great Christian family. Let's stand together for the closing song. Here I am.
admire that. We, we ask, Father, that you will help each father here to become that kind of a father. And for sons and daughters, that we would become that kind of a son, that kind of a daughter, like the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his precious name we pray this. Amen. Please be seated. Other silent meditation were dismissed. And please help to move the chairs. face in every sunrise the colors of the morning are inside your eyes the world awakens in the light of the day i look up to the sky and say you're beautiful Beautiful.